So this morning, hear these words from Matthew. Jesus again himself speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word. In your spirit, may we hear your word speak and give us grace that we may clearly understand and follow the ways of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. There once was a little girl. This little girl, her parents went on an adventure one summer. They rented a cabin on the ocean. And so as this adventure began throughout the summer, on that very first day, her father took her out to the beach and they began to build a sandcastle. And with the sun beating down on their heads and the wind at their backs and all that blue sky shining out over them, they spent the whole day out on that beach shore, building a castle with a bucket and a trowel, and piece by piece, building a great fortress. As the sun began to set, the little girl and her father gathered on the porch of that cabin and watched the waves begin to come in as the tide rolled in, and they watched as the tide began to sweep out the castle that they had built. The little girl, having never seen this before, was upset. Everything she had built, everything that she had worked so hard for was going away, and she was desperately saying, Daddy, do something. Fix it. And he just sat there and waited until it was time to go to bed, and she went to bed. The next morning, he greeted her in the morning, waking her up with that bucket in one hand and the trowel in the next, and said, let's go out and build another sandcastle. She did not want to go, but she went. She sat on the beach with her lips stuck out, pouting for a while. And then after a while, that sun beating down on her head, the wind at her back, and all that blue sky above her got to her again, and she started to build another sandcastle. And again that night, they watched as the tide came in and swept it away. And all through the summer, she built one sandcastle after another. The little girl grew up, and when she got older, 
she realized that that beach house that she had had so many adventures at had come up for sale. And so she sold everything that she had, went without, made do with what she had so that she could buy that house on the beach. She bought that house, and over the years, she brought her children out to that beach and taught them how to build sandcastles. On the day that she got the call that her father had died, her family found her at, at nightfall, sitting on the beach, watching the tide wash in over the last sandcastle she made that day. And when the doctor gave her the diagnosis that said that she needed to start thinking about life very differently, again, she found herself on that beach building a sandcastle. Until finally one day there came that moment when her children gathered in that home of hers and told her that it was time that they sold the house, that she needed to go to a different place. And so she got up, pulled from her house coat a mason jar, and she took them by the hand and went out to the beach, and she emptied, bent down, filled the mason jar with sand, and then said to them, all right, I'm ready, let's go. On the day that she finally met her father again, as they crossed the River Jordan hand in hand together, they found that mason jar by her bedside, and they never quite figured it out, but the mason jar now was empty, just a light dusting of sand at the bottom that had stuck because of the sea water that was in there, never understanding where all the sand went. As we've done the sermon series so far about the Apostles' Creed, I've made a big deal about the word revelation, that we are not a people who can spend our time worrying about facts or proof. These are not our words of faith. As the scriptures say, we, do not live, we live by faith, we do not live by sight. And so what we live by is what God has shown us. What God has shown us often in the teaching of us comes through repetition. Think about it this way. What do you know? Do you know, how do you know the alphabet? How did you learn it? When you hear that song in your head, how did it show up? When you think about what this thing is, how do you know the word for it? How do you know that the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set? How do you know the words to amazing grace or the words to the Apostles' Creed? In our lives, we come to know things through observation, trust, and also repetition. Today we begin the sermon that is on the last section of Jesus himself in the creed, the part about him ascending into heaven and sitting at the right hand of God and then coming to judge the quick and the dead or the living and the dead. As we come to the final things that we confess together as a people and we hear about Jesus becoming this judge of everyone, as we read our scripture passage about how at the end of time, he will be sitting there and he will separate some at the right and some at the left. We need to remember everything that through repetition we already know about God. If we don't, then this, these words can just become a philosophical question, a point of trying to figure out the universe without context. But the fact is, that through revelation, God, by the time we know that Jesus is going to be the one who ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of God and judges the quick and the dead, we know a lot about him. 
and we know a lot about God. It's through repetition in the scriptures that, you know, the words I read this morning as our words, uh, the summary of the law showed up. Did you know those words that Jesus himself said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? He wasn't the first one to say it. It's in the law. It's in in Deuteronomy. It's called the Shema in Hebrew. It says, O Israel, our Lord, our God, our Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Take Take to your heart these instructions with which I charge you this day. Impress them upon your children. Recite them when you stay at home, when you are away, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or with all your might. Jesus said it, and God was saying it from the beginning of the law. And God said, through repetition, this is who you will become. Also, if you think about what we read for our words of assurance this morning from Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse. He will not harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Those words are used all over the scriptures. Throughout the Psalms, they are a constant refrain of knowing who God is, the God who does not accuse, but loves. In our own tradition, we are encouraged to use those words every time we come to communion as our thanksgiving, always remembering, always repeating what we know about God already. One other really deep and important part that absolutely has everything to do with what Jesus said about the sheep and the goats. In the Old Testament, there's another part of Deuteronomy that says this. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. The tradition from love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, the way you put that into action, according to Deuteronomy, was you take care. You take care of those who are vulnerable, the widows, the orphans, the strangers. And it isn't said just once. It is said over and over again in Deuteronomy. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. All the people shall say amen. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or the fatherless or take widow's garments in pledge. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it upon within your towns. The Levites, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, and the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, and the Lord your God may bless you in all the works your hands that you do. Over and over and over again, the law says, love the Lord your God, remember that, become that. And then remember this, and it's repeated over and over and over again. Take care of the widows, the orphans, the strangers, those who are vulnerable in your midst. This is what you know about God. Before we ever learn anything about Jesus being the one who ascends into heaven or sits at the right hand of God, or even that he will 
judge the quick and the dead. We already know this about the God who sends him. Love the Lord your God. Take care of others. Repeat, repeat, repeat. It's in the Psalms over and over again. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And in the prophets, prophet after prophet, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Isaiah, they were people who got angry on God's behalf, but they got angry on God's behalf for this line from Zechariah, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the soldier, or the poor. Let none of you despise, devise evil against another in your heart. From Isaiah, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. The widow, the orphan, and the stranger was the fruit of belief in God, and it was repeated to the people throughout their entire lives. It became their identity. We can make the mistake of thinking that our lives are about the things we build, when God wants us to realize that in the things that we build, we become somebody. We don't just build sandcastles. Those are temporary and will wash away into the sea. But we become sandcastle makers. And it's in the repetition that we come to know who we are. We already know that about who God is. Loving, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and calling you with all of your heart, soul, and mind to do the same in this world. It's not about the sandcastles you build. It's about the kind of sandcastle maker you become. So when we confess together that Jesus has ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, here in those words, the same words that he would have said as he ascended into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he just said it to us right there. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And that's exactly what sitting at the right hand of God was. In the ancient world, you would hold a, a shield in your left hand because you would need your right hand most of the time for a sword. But if you were sitting on the throne as king, that shield would protect your left side. But actually, this is the side. The right side becomes the vulnerable side for you. And so it became the tradition that the person who sits at the right hand is the one you most trust, the one you give the most authority in your own kingdom to rule. Jesus sits at the right hand of God, and the sheep, in what he describes, is sitting at his right hand. They are the most trusted. They are given the most authority. He sits at the right hand of God. He ascends to heaven to sit there. And of course, he becomes the one who judges. A lot of people don't like the word judgment, and I understand that. But the root word of judgment is justice. So anytime you've ever cried out and thought that the world needed more justice, understand that that requires a judge at some point. Who's better equipped to be the judge of this world? You or the one God has given authority to? The one who in his own life and death and resurrection and now ascension calls us 
to the same love the Lord your God with all your heart, who assures us over and over again that God is a God of love and that we are called to take care of those who are vulnerable. When did we take care of you, Lord? When were you in prison? When were you sick? Whenever you took care of the least of these, you took care of me. Jesus fulfills everything that has already been repeated to us, and then he brings it forth and says, this is mine as well. Repeat, repeat, repeat. This is the revelation. Who's better equipped to judge it? Us or him? This last week, I have watched people serve two gods. And I know that through this sermon series, I have said over and over again, we should have an inclusive sense to the Apostles' Creed, that we should see it as a way to nurture people in the faith, to not push people away. But today, I'm going to ask you to be exclusionary about the Apostles' Creed, that when you get to these words, exclude something, not people around you, but something inside you. You can serve God, who lives inside you through the Spirit, or you can serve the idol that lives in you, called fear. And we've already seen it. I saw one news report about uh, an elderly person who was pushed around in those early morning hours at the store because someone younger had gotten in the way and said, I need these supplies, get out of my way, old man. I've heard about the people who are showing up at gun stores, buying ammunition because they're afraid that martial law will start next week. I've experienced people going on social media and publicly shaming anyone who they disagree with as doing the wrong things right now. We can play the blame game with the pundits. We can revel in the conspiracy theories about what is going on. We can stay angry at the evolving reality around us but that is serving the idol of fear that lives inside us. And it is an idol. It's not the voice of God. The other hand, we can actually listen to the Spirit, and we can take what has become the reality of our lives right now, and we can accept the Sabbath. You know, Sabbath was supposed to be the day when we took a break from everything else, all of our work, and be reminded in the presence of God, repeat, 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 who are you? Who is God and who are you? Love the Lord your God every Sabbath. Know who God is, the God of love, every Sabbath. And hear that call on our lives, ministry that certainly every other day of our life and absolutely now is the call to take care of the vulnerable. We can take the Sabbath and be reminded of all those things. We can be reminded who God is and who we are. And then we can listen to the Spirit, and we can carefully, yes, carefully, thoughtfully, pay attention to the risks that are worth taking in this life. We can serve at the food pantries. We can make deliveries to people who can't get out of their homes. We can sew face masks. We can share stories and songs on social media that remind people that there are blue skies, winds at our backs, and sun on our faces, and it's going to be okay. You can make phone calls to those who are already isolated too much in this world and connect with them so that they know that they are not alone, even if they can't be with us here. And we can do all those things. The question you need to ask yourself is not what do we build, 
It's in the building of whatever we build right now. What kind of sandcastle maker are you going to become when it's over? We can serve the spirit within who repeats and repeats and repeats. God is love. Take care of those who God cares about. Or we can serve the idol within of our own fear. Let us pray. To you, O God, we pray for those who need to be remembered today. For those who have made headlines today because of what they have done or said. Those who have been brought to our attention through a meeting or a conversation. Those who are in the hospital, in care, or in a place that is strange to them. Those in whose family, marriage, or close relationship there is stress or a breakup. Those who are waiting for a birth or a death or news which will affect their lives. Those who need to forget the God they do not believe in and meet the God who believes in them. Those whose pain or potential we should not forget to share with God today. Lord, we believe that you hear our prayer and will be faithful to your promise to answer us. And so when we open our eyes again, May we do so not to end our devotion, but to expect your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then today, as we close, hear these words of benediction. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. God does not live in temples made by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move, and have our being. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And until things make sense again, go in peace. Okay.